Welcome to episode one of Basically a Detective. I'm your host, Blake Wooten, and I'm here to fill you all in on some of the most bizarre stories about true crime. Currently, I'm a full-time student pursuing a degree in educational studies and training, as well as a full-time mom to my one-year-old son, Maverick, and I'm expecting my daughter in June. If you're here, I'm assuming you're at least a little bit like me. Maybe you're one of those people who binge watches crime. Barbara was a 35-year-old single mom of two who had recently moved to a home in Durham, North Carolina. She quickly hit it off with one of her neighbors, Mr. Allison Russell Steger. Everyone who knew him either called him Russ or Mr. Steger, considering he was Durham High School's baseball coach and driver's education teacher. Russ also was a part of the Army Reserve. He had divorced in recent years, but still remained on good terms with his ex-wife. They were amicable, they could have conversations, no arguing, and they actually had a pretty good friendship. Barbara, like Russ, had also been previously married, but now they were both living the single life in the same neighborhood, and once the two met, it wasn't long before they were married, and Russ was adopting Barbara's two sons. Russ and Barbara lived a pretty nice life. They went to church every Sunday and were part of a local country club. With Russ working at the high school and Barbara pursuing a career as an author, all seemed well in the Steger household. Until February 1st, 1988. On this day, February 1st, 1988, Barbara frantically calls 911. She immediately tells the dispatcher that she accidentally shot Russ. She was trying to grab the gun underneath his pillow to protect them from what she thought was an intruder trying to enter the home. The dispatcher does their job, sends the ambulance over immediately, and the ambulance arrives and takes Russ to the hospital. Russ had a gunshot wound to the back of his head, and unfortunately, he died a short while later in the hospital. And I know by now you're probably thinking, okay, so this lady's husband died, so what? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. So, soon after Russ dies, a student at Durham High School was actually going through and cleaning out lockers and, you know, trying to take care of stuff on campus. And he comes across an audio tape. So, on this tape, Russ can actually be heard talking about his relationship with his wife. And when he's talking you can clearly hear that Russ is telling a story about how things just weren't what people thought they were on the surface. In true 13 Reasons Why revealing fashion, and if you haven't seen 13 Reasons Why, I highly suggest it, it's almost as if Russ is speaking from the dead about his wife. Russ says that Barbara has been cheating on him and behaving very suspiciously. Russ even goes so far as to tell a story about how Barbara woke him up one night to try to give him sleeping pills to help him sleep better. Now, I don't know about you, but it doesn't really make much sense to help someone sleep with sleeping pills if they're already asleep. So obviously, Russ was suspicious. He created this audio tape. And when it was created was just three days before his death. So, if you're anything like me, like I said, I'm basically a detective. At this point, I'm questioning, okay, the police haven't done anything for three days now. Are they going to do something now that we have the tape? And the answer is yes. 
The tape leads police to investigate Russ's death further. There are things about the crime scene that just don't make any sense to investigators immediately. So, number one, based on evidence, they can tell that Russ actually kept his gun in a drawer, not underneath his pillow. Not really sure if there was, like, indentation marks in the drawer that, like, showed that the gun was there for long periods of time. I'm not really sure how that works, but they could tell that the gun was never kept underneath the pillow, at least not recently, and it had been kept in his drawer for as long as they could tell. The second thing they noticed, or found out, rather, was that the gun was never loaded when he kept it in the drawer. So, Russ, as a army reservist, has a gun. He doesn't keep it loaded. He keeps it in the drawer beside of his bed. He's very smart. So, honestly, I would think somebody like Russ would be smart enough to know not to keep the gun under his pillow in the first place. But that's just me. The third thing that I noticed, or that I found out, rather, was that the pistol could not have gone off by accident. And I know you're thinking, like, what? How is that? Isn't that a thing? Yes, obviously it's a thing. Guns can go off by accident. But this particular pistol required four pounds of pressure to fire at all. So there's no way that Barbara would have reached under, accidentally pulled the trigger by trying to grab it without putting four pounds of pressure onto the trigger in the first place. And I don't know about you or me. I don't know anything about guns, really. But what I can tell is four pounds of pressure is a lot. And then the fourth thing that really stood out to investigators was the placement of the casing. So, of course, if you shoot... There's going to be some trajectory. You're going to know where the bullet's going to go, and you're going to know where the casing's going to go. Based on the casing, it didn't make sense in relation to the story that Barbara had told police initially. So, now that they have all of this evidence, they're taking it into consideration, and they decide they are going to arrest Barbara on April 15, 1988. It is only two and a half months after the death of Russ. Now, the church that the Stegers attended believed Barbara to be innocent. You got to remember, this is North Carolina. We're in the Bible Belt. People go to church every Sunday. Sometimes they're going three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, at least once during the week. These people have seen the Stegers. They have seen their family, and they believe that Barbara is completely innocent. There's no way a devout Baptist could kill her husband. Well, the church decides that they're going to raise a fundraiser and bail her out of jail. Now, although the church believed Barbara's innocence, there was one person who did not and would do whatever they could to prove it otherwise. This person is Miss Lynn Snow. Lynn is the ex-wife of Russ Stager. As I previously mentioned, although Russ and Lynn had divorced years before, they still maintained a good friendship. A good enough friendship that Russ actually spoke with Lynn before his death about his suspicions of Barbara. Russ 
confides in Lynn about one shocking suspicion, a suspicion that he'd actually revealed on the audio tape found by the student at Durham High School. This suspicion is that Barbara's first husband was killed by Barbara. And I know you're thinking, whoa, wait a minute, what? Trust me, I was too. So Barbara, like I mentioned before, was married previously before she ever married Russ Stager. Her first husband's name was Larry Ford, and they were married for nine years. During those nine years, Barbara gave birth to two sons, Brian and Jason, which Russ later on adopted. But their marriage was cut short when, during a freak accident, Larry dies at home. Now, a little bit about this freak accident. Barbara calls 911 and tells them that Larry had shot himself while cleaning his gun at home. Larry's parents immediately were like, no, there's no way. They contacted police and said, hey, I want you to investigate this further. But police refused. Now, obviously the details of Barbara's first husband's death came as quite shocking. But there were other details about Barbara and Russ's marriage that were also shocking. We aren't quite sure what Barbara told Russ when they first started dating. How she had her income, where the money was coming from. Whether she told him that she had inherited the money after her first husband's death. That's a possibility. We're not sure. But we do know that Barbara and Russ were living a pretty nice life. They could afford all these extra purchases like life at a country club and going out and doing all of these things with the boys. And people around them noticed. They didn't understand how a high school baseball coach and a pursuing author could have so much money. Well, Russ never questioned Barbara and Barbara just kept coming up with money. So, one of the things that Barbara told Russ was that she was finally publishing her first book. She's super excited. She has a $100,000 check coming in the mail. She shows Russ and she's like, I can't believe this is finally happening. They have money coming in the bank. What Russ didn't know was that Barbara was actually taking out loans from banks she would take a loan from one bank, go to another bank, and pay it off with that loan. And it was just a never-ending, vicious cycle. So obviously their finances are not great. They're not what they appear on the outside. But still, Russ finally comes to terms with the fact that they have to do something. He forgives Barbara for all the mistakes she's made, and his family even offers to help them get back on their feet. They sell the house they're living in. They move to a smaller house. They quit life at the country club. They stop going out and doing all of these things. And they're really trying to get a hold on their finances. Russ decides he's going to take over all the bills. He's going to handle everything. She doesn't have to worry about stressing out and paying anything anymore. He's got it. It wasn't long after Russ decided to take over finances that he was found shot in the back of the head by his wife, Barbara Stager. 
In May of 1989, with everything into consideration, even the death of her last husband, Barbara is finally sentenced to death for the murder of Russ Stager, but due to a technicality, she had to be resentenced. Resentencing occurred in 1993, and Barbara was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole in 20 years. So, now in North Carolina, parole is not offered to those doing life in prison. But when Barbara was first sentenced, it was one year before this rule came into play. So, now Barbara is 71 years old. She is still sitting in a North Carolina prison, but she gets a chance at parole. Her next custody review is actually in August of this year. Since she's been in prison, she's had three infractions during her time there. The last was in April of 2017 for failing to disobey a direct order. Now, all of this craziness about Barbara, and it still doesn't end. I still have one surprising fact about Barbara Steger that comes from inside of prison, or outside, depending on how you look at it. Barbara is now allowed to eat lunch outside of the prison walls as long as she is with a prison-approved sponsor. When I first read this, I was like, what in the world? How is that even possible? North Carolina has created a program that attempts to reintroduce those with the possibility of parole back into society. So I want to know, what do you think about this? Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's a bad idea? What about in the case of Barbara Steger specifically? Do you think she deserves it? Do you think she doesn't? I want to hear your opinions. So jump on the Basically a Detective Facebook page or the Instagram page, whatever you prefer, and drop your opinions down below. Let me know what you think about North Carolina's new program. And I will talk to you on episode two of Basically a Detective. <music>